Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 78, released on June 29th, 2011. My name is Steve Yunus, and joining me is my good pal, Scotty V. Hi, Scotty. Hello, Steve. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. What's new in the world of Scotty V this month? Oh, not a whole lot is going on. I had uh, I had my electricity shut off uh, last week, um, so I was at that time I was I was wishing we had the electric Superman uh, present <laughs> so that he could come down here and just uh, power up one of my uh, sockets and turn everything on in here. Uh, but not too long it took me to uh, borrow some money and actually get it turned back on. Mm, so that was a good time. And, um, well, you're uh, getting free haircuts, so you're saving money there. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> Chloe's very, very talented. Check that out in the uh, most recent Speeding Bulletin if you haven't seen it. Uh, my little daughter, uh, uh, I think she's going to be a hairstylist. <laughs> well, either that or, or an actress. She's a very, very talented, very spunky little kid. Well, thank you. We had fun doing it. <laughs> now let's get into our discussion topics. Uh, the big news of uh, of this past month, uh, since we did the last issue of Radio KL, was DC Comics announcing that they're going to be relaunching the DC Universe and uh, publishing anything, ending everything that they've been doing and publishing uh, new 52 issues, all starting at number one, including... Action Comics, Superman, Supergirl, Superboy, Teen Titans, um, everything affecting the world of Superman. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, and it's created a big amount of fuss on the internet. Wow. What's your take? Well, first of all, I can com- I completely understand um, the people who are very, very uh, upset by this, stressed out by this. Um, claiming that they're not going to follow the comics anymore, that they may buy the number ones, this and that. Um, look, uh, we're, we, we just passed Action Comics 900. We're in the 700s with Superman. We've already seen two other books come and go. Um, we have all kinds of situations going on. We've had relaunches galore. Um, the Infinite Crisis stuff um, was supposed to be the relaunch, was supposed to be the new universe, and that just happened very recently. And not long before that, there was something else. It seems like they're not sure exactly where they want to go um, as far as DC. So when you think about 900 issues of Action Comics and you think about the possibility of reaching 1,000 or, or all these milestones that we've been reading about, most of us were not around to read 900 issues of Action Comics. Mm. We may have gone – some of us may have gone back and read them all. I know I haven't. But um, uh, so all of those milestones weren't really ours for the claiming. But I can certainly understand the washing away of everything having a negative effect on many people's minds. I I can't really judge it completely as of yet. Obviously, it hasn't happened. But one thing I'm hearing is that stories like um, Batman Incorporated uh, is going to stay somehow. Dick Grayson being being Nightwing is somehow going to stay. It doesn't, at least from this point of view right now, doesn't make a lot of sense to me because I don't see how Dick Grayson could be Nightwing if he hasn't yet been Robin. And if we're starting at number one and they're younger, does that mean that the Dick Grayson Robin never existed? Obviously, people who read Batman and read those books are going to find that out. 
I don't read the Batman books, but I do know the storyline. I do know the gener- the general uh, listing of where the Robins fell in line. And I know that Dick Grayson was the first Robin and the Robin I was familiar with when I was young. And I knew that he became Nightwing. So I'm kind of interested not enough to buy the books, but I'm interested to find out how they're going to explain where this Batman Incorporated stays and, and Dick Grayson as Nightwing stays. And it, it's from what I've been hearing, uh, Tim, the other Robin, is apparently going to be non-existent. I don't even know. So my guess would be that in many of these books, including the Superman ones, people are going to have these kinds of questions. And, and, and my from what I have seen DC do over the last few years the answer is generally going to be something like, oh, well, you'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> it's going to be exciting. Yeah, we'll explain it through story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still <laughs> haven't seen explanations, really. We asked about the one year later stuff. Uh, will Will Doomsday killing Superman still be part of the canon? You know, uh what what you know is 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 Superboy still a clone of Lex and and Superman and and the answer was always anything that was important that happened in these in the lives of these heroes that you read about is still pertinent and somehow still means something but as far as things happening exactly or when they happened or how they happened you're going to have to just keep reading to find out and I think that that gets people frustrated. So I can I can certainly understand both sides. And then I hear the other side saying, this is really exciting. Uh, I'm really looking forward to reading the new books. I think it's cool. And I, I, I can see that too. And I certainly understand the business standpoint of it. They're going to go digital. Uh, DC is going to have an app introduced on the phones, on the iPods, on, on the iPads, uh, and everything else so that so – that New kids who really aren't reading book reading books right now on a, on a hard copy basis will be able to go into this app and maybe get interested in comics that way. I've talked to a few people. I actually heard I think it was um, it might have been Michael Bendis or uh, one of the comics people on a on a podcast I was listening to. I heard him say, you know, my kids will not read a comic book, but when I show them the Marvel app and I show them that they can get it right on their computer. They're right in there, and now my son uh, is reading uh, comics through the computer. And, and, and I think that people in the industry are starting to realize that it might not be too long before books in general no longer exist. Not that we'll have nothing to read, not that we're going to get illiterate all of a sudden, but that, that hard copy paper books are kind of going away. And, and are, I mean I've seen Walden Books, Barnes & Noble. Uh, there's another famous bookstore closing down in in on mass so so i think that people are doing whatever they can to try and still get the attention of uh readers and yeah. and and young people and the new generation coming up because if they don't comics are going to be in much more trouble than the loss of the shorts on the outside and and, and a red instead of a yellow belt there's going to be a lot a lot bigger things to worry about yeah. uh, i mean how will you feel really if if Five years from now, there's no Superman comics at all because they just can't – they can no longer see the business side of, of printing them because no one's buying them. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm in agreement. So like I think there are two sides to the story and uh, as far as us losing the number – like the numbering issues um, with going back to number ones, um, you know, I can – it happened before and I can see them – you know, with adventures – 
uh, adventure comics. You know, they started with the new numbering, but then they had the old numbering in a bracket kind of thing underneath the new numbering, so that uh, you know the continuity of, of the publication, um, you know, was still there. It's still evident. And then they finally decided, look, let's just go back to the old numbering anyway. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind them seeing them do that. I wouldn't mind them putting the old or the you know the the current numbering. Um, below the renumbering, if you like, so that we know that this is, okay, this is, while it's number one of Action Comics, it is actually the, what it would be, 906 or whatever it might be at the time, um, you know, Action Comics that's been published in history. So I wouldn't mind seeing them do something like that. And they may eventually just end up going back to the old numbering anyway down the track. But uh, for now, they're going back to new number ones. And yes, as far as the getting new new readers in, I can understand that because um, you know jumping on with new number ones makes it so much easier than trying to wade your way through a convoluted continuity of stories that uh, don't really even make sense to the people who have actually been reading them all along. <laughs> As you said, you know, with where does the death of Superman fit in? Does it still fit in? The Eradicator, how did he come to be if Superman, you know, was not sent in, um, you know, in a, in a Krypton that. Did, did not have space flight and or did have space uh, just you know um, people you know flying out and into outer space and what have you so there's a lot of stuff that just does not fit uh, in continuity as it was and so yeah starting from scratch wiping the slate clean makes sense in a way um, it can frustrate people I imagine that the people in the mid 1980s who uh, were reading you know uh, Silver Age comic books and found out that John Byrne was being hired to start Superman again from scratch, were frustrated and felt disenfranchised just like we do um, or other readers do uh, at the moment. So it's uh, an interesting time. Uh, the whole digital thing, um, it's, you know, it's kind of got me interested. I'm the kind of person who started collecting comics and, you know, I bag and I box them and, and I've you know, they're, they're – stored away safely but you know i'm quickly running out of room and and you know having them as a digital version would save that storage problem would save me money in buying boxes and bags and and boards and what have you to to store my comic books but by the same token um having that physical comic book in hand and being able to collect them and look at your collection uh in a box or on a shelf uh also has some some merit too so it's an interesting one well, my my only issue with that is at least so far. I haven't read too many. I've looked at some samples. Uh, some of the apps give you free. Uh, you can look uh, free viewing in, in certain instances, or if you go onto Amazon, sometimes they have free pages available for you to preview. Um, from what I have seen, in order to read a lot of the captions or to see a lot of the detail, you have to zoom in on the page. So so then you make one of the small boxes mm. much bigger so that you can see what's going on but then you have to zoom back out and then move over to go on to the next uh, panel mm. instead of you know obviously when you're reading a comic you just turn the page and you read one box at a time as you now i guess maybe you move your head or your eyes up so you you actually get a real life close-up of that box as well but there's a lot more steps you have to take on a digital page to see some of the now maybe i'm wrong it just depends on the size of your screen yeah, exactly I guess. i'm guessing it's the size of the situation now yeah. if you're if you're reading a comic on your television screen uh it might be big but then uh, on the other hand uh when i'm when i'm playing uh, dc universe online i still find that even on the high def tv the 1080p a lot of the menu screens a lot of the written dialogue 
some of the newspapers you'll get, which give you sound quests or give you information that you can collect, are very, very hard to read, and there is no zoom on that game. Uh, but but that, that leads me to believe that in order to fill in all of the details of the game, in order to make the game this beautiful experience, um, some of the letters the lettering and things are much, much smaller. They're sharp. You can read them if you're up close, but they're so small and there's so much to read. So I'm a little concerned about digital comics. I like the idea. And then, of course, you go back to the non-bagging and box and all that stuff. That will save a lot of money. It will save a lot of space. But then we get into the whole um, collectible a- aspect, which mm. which in general hasn't, hasn't helped most of us. But there is a whole um, – and I guess – the books that are left and the books that continue to get published over the next 10 years or so will then be worth even more and be more important. But, but because I know that at a, at a point in time during the nineties or so books got so overproduced that they, they suddenly became non worth, you know, not really worth much at all. That's right. Whereas when you, when you look at action comics, number one, where uh, the experts are saying there are seven in the world, uh, seven at, you know, anywhere at all, they they suddenly become much more higher in value, but uh, in the future when we don't when we don't really have hard copy books on paper, I would imagine that some of the books, not all of them, again will regain some of their uh, worth, and then we'll have some of the same situation we have with Action Comics number one, where people say, "Wow, an actual uh, paper copy mm. of a book, an important book, an important milestone. Maybe it's the number one with the new uniform." If the new uniform stands, I would imagine that that would be worth something in the future. But on the other hand, at this point, they're going to be produced in in a heavy amount. So this particular action number one or Superman number one is is not going to be rare at all. So I'm not really sure how that's going to go. But uh, yeah, but you you do bring up an interesting point in regard to resale. You know, with a digital comic book, you can't sell it. You know, down the track, if you want to. Um, you know, get rid of some of your comic books. Like a lot of people sell, you know, all their back issues because they've, you know, they've run out of room and they they go through and keep the ones they want and sell the others. But uh, you don't have that with digital comics. And also, yeah, there's the issue of what happens if, for some reason, like if you've got an iPad and you're buying them for your iPad and and you lose your, you get stolen. What happens then? You know, is there a backup system? Is there a way for you to retrieve your comic books if you've bought them and for some reason you delete it? Can you then uh, go and get it again without having to pay again. Um, I would hope that they would have some sort of a system like that. Yeah, a record. Fact, you know. I know when I changed my PS3 into uh, the new version of the PS3, any movies or games I had downloaded were available to re-download without me having to pay again. So yeah. but you, they you, knew you, through my account that I had it. But with books, I don't know that you're going to have a specified account. Because nah. if you, if well, you, you go on – I don't know where you're going to so. be buying them. But if you go on to Amazon or you go on to you, you, uh, iTunes or whatever you go on to buy your book, uh, that would that – would Im- imply that you would need to have an account an account yep. where they would have enough room to store every single person's books in the entire world and and keep them there in case Well, you I lost. think what they would have is they have they store the one issue and then uh, of that book and then it says okay, well these are all the people who have bought it. So it's not necessarily keeping multiple copies of the one book. It's the one book, but it's a database showing that who x you know x amount of people have bought it and which accounts have bought it and so that uh, one digital copy is then distributed um, to whoever's p- purchased it. Um, well, that makes sense. But also, well, you, on the other hand, though, if, there's if, this, if, if I was just going to say, your book, 
Yeah, go. go. No, sorry, you go ahead. If, if you lost your hard copy books in a fire or a flood, yeah, you're gone. No one's going to replace those. No, so that's true. I, I don't know. It goes both ways. I'm not really sure because I guess if you really feel like you have a very expensive collection that's worth a lot, you could buy some sort of insurance, insurance on it, or, yeah. you know. But but you're then you're only going to get monetary compensation for whatever the insurance company pays you. Now, as far as digital comp, the other thing. I was thinking about um, it was that let's say you're you're saving them on your iPod or on your computer or whatever. There's only so much room. I've seen a lot of times on the PS3 store they advertise a movie and, and it'll say get it now before Netflix even has it. You know you can mm. buy it or you can rent it or whatever. The problem is is that all these things take up space now. Yeah. In, in the real world, we're talking about space in long boxes and, and space on our shelves and, and space holding the books. Uh, I have a bookshelf with all these DVDs on it. I don't buy DVDs anymore because I have Netflix and, and we have these digital copies available. But as far as keeping them, unless you wanted to watch it and then if three years from now you decide you want to watch it again and you didn't keep it, then you have to buy it again. Mm. Because there's only so much uh, gigabytes. Space. There's yep. only so much terabytes. There's only so much space that you can have to store these things and they all take up space but getting back to what you were saying yeah i was just going to say and it comes back to the being able to borrow uh you know comics off your friends or uh, lend a comic to your friend to say to them hey check this out check this comic book out you know give it back to me when you're finished uh you can't do that if it's on your ipad because you're not going to get them give them your ipad uh for a week or whatever to read it so there's that whole um you know uh giving it to your kids to read or giving it to your next door neighbor to have a you know, have a look at uh, digital copies. You can't do that with, but uh, so there are a lot of pros and cons both ways. Uh, many people might decide to buy both. I mean, DC Comics are doing um, a, a combination pack, a combo pack where you can buy the physical copy, and for I think it's for a dollar more, you can get a code to download the digital copy as well when you buy the combo pack uh, at your comic book store. So that may be the way to go for some people. Um, but uh, there's a, there's a you know. A lot of things to to think about uh, in going away from the printed copy to the digital copy. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I read something. It was probably on 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 the homepage. It said something like, "Right currently, DC selling their books at two ninety nine. Mm-hmm. If you want to get the digital copy, it's three ninety nine. But if you want to get them both together, I think it's five ninety nine. No, or well, it might be four ninety nine. Yeah, no, it's actually the comic, the dig, the printed comic book and the digital comic book will be the same price on the day of release. And it won't be till four weeks later that the digital comic book version will be a dollar cheaper. So if you want to wait, you can get the digital copy a dollar cheaper than its printed version. Um, but if you want to buy it same day and, day and date, then it's the same price as a printed version. Whether it's printed or digital, it's the same price on release for the first month. Four weeks later, the digital version becomes a dollar cheaper. But they do have and a combo both, pack. It's, right. it's, a, it's a dollar more expensive. Now, what would you have you heard or talked to anyone about? Um, what what would be the benefit of paying that extra dollar and getting them both? Uh, I mean, other than to say, well, I like to have a digital, but I mean, why would you need two copies? Good question. Well, why do people buy multiple copies of the printed comic book? Uh, some people buy the, you know, of course, it's got a variant cover. They buy both versions uh, with well, well, the same story. Why. With the same story inside, it's just the cover. Mm. Well, yeah. a lot of the variant covers are, I mean, are better are, than are the original. Favorable. People like them, and yeah. they, a lot of times they hire um, a more well-known talent, or they they get a, a really 
they get a really attractive cover that makes people go, well, I want to go out there and buy this this book because it's really cool looking. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people might want to buy a digital copy because you can carry them around in your iPad and you can have a hundred of them on your iPad, but you can't carry around a hundred comic books. Right. That way you can go back and read them anytime you want. But yeah. You take them with you on holidays. Savings. You can still have them stored. And, yeah. And and and, you know, and, and safely collection. keep them bagged without worrying about creasing them or whatever. But, uh, yeah, so the other thing we haven't touched on in this whole relaunch, and we've been going a bit uh, long on this chat, is uh, the fact that the, the redesigns of the characters, Superman uh, appears to no longer have the red briefs on the outside. He no longer has the yellow belt. It's a red belt. People are claiming it looks like he's got armor, but whether or not that's an actual armor material or whether it's just lines in his costume, in the in the tights that are like the uh, you know the the protective material that people wear when they're playing sports, the undergarments they wear, the tights, the skins, or whatever it's called that they wear under their sports uniforms uh, for compression, for what have you. Um, we don't know yet. We don't know the story behind why his costume looks like it is. There's the high collar. There's the longer sleeve that kind of has the pointed thing on the back of his hand. Uh, the boots look a lot more um, sturdy. Uh, what's your take on the new look? Well, if I'm if I'm completely honest, looking at the pictures that I've seen and the latest the latest picture that I've looked at is the one that's on the tumblers that are coming yep. out. Uh, we have that up on the site. It's it's a glass. You know, they've had these for years and years. Back yep. when I was a kid, they were super uh, super friends glasses that you could get at Burger King or whatever. Um, I actually think that the new uniform looks pretty good. Um, I think that the, the lines on there, the, the layering that seem to make it look like armor are just part of the design. Uh, they're also, it looks a, a little more similar to Batman's, which bothers me in a way because that seems to imply that Wayne, uh, corporation will, will somehow design these costumes for the entire justice league and issue them. Also, I have a concern, and I'll go into this a little more on this week's uh, Great Scott. Uh, I, I, I feel like the Siegel lawsuit really does have something to do with the redesign of Superman in particular and some of the changes that are happening. Uh, we may see more if the suit goes badly for DC, or we may see a revert back to what we're used to if the suit goes well. Every few years, the Seagulls come out with a new claim. The Seagulls are able to reintroduce their issue, and uh, it's either dismissed or the DC and the Seagulls come to some sort of agreement. Uh, one of the last ones that, that, that people may remember is the Electric Superman and the Superman Red and Blue arc from, from not too long ago. Uh, all of that was tied in somehow to the lawsuit. I'm not an expert, and I haven't read everything about it, but I do know that they were making changes to Superman so that they could show in court that changes has been, have been made and significant forward motion has been made with the character so that the Seagulls' claim on owning everything Superman was not completely accurate. And it worked out, and they made you know they made agreements. Now I think that this new suit design, possibly getting rid of Lois, maybe losing the Kents, uh, may have something to do with hoping that maybe in the future they will come to an agreement. But just in case, let's get something started that maybe we can finish with an all new Superman, with an all new look, with all new supporting cast, so that the Seagulls can never again come back and say. We own this. We own that. I don't. Again, I don't know all the all the insights and everything, but that's what my understanding is of what's going on. But as mm. far as what the suit looks like for the new for the new look as of right now, 
Uh, the red belt, I believe, is there because the briefs are gone. So for people who would say, uh, he really needs to have some red there, that's an awful lot of blue, we have the red belt. Now, I personally, when I first looked at it, said I would like a yellow belt. But on the other hand, there is no red there. I had some designs in my head where I would have a streak of red or lines down the leg or, or some sort of design that added red to that area while also removing the briefs, which has been a long point of contention for people. They decided to go the more simple way. Most of the suit really is just blue. He has a cape, and he has the red belt, and, of course, the shield in the middle of his chest. Uh, but I think it looks good. I mean, uh, it's not traditional, and people who really love it and really think Superman didn't need fixing and, and shouldn't have been changed, are, I think, are going to have a hard time. And, and I personally am I'm going. It's going to take getting used to. Yeah. But uh, I don't think it looks bad. I, I, I think it looks kind of cool. Yeah. I firstly, I don't know how whether or not the Siegel co- uh, court case legal issues has any bearing on this at all. I don't know. I, it's. It's hard to, you know, you would think if that was the case, it would just be Superman who's changing, but they're going the whole DC Universe relaunch, so I don't really know. Uh, The Seagulls already do have copyright claim uh, on Action Comics number one and a further Action Comics issue, I think it might be number five or seven from that time, Um, just what parts of the copyright of the Superman law are included in that is still being discussed and fought over in court, but um, whether or not... I mean, the name Superman, you know, is partly owned by the Seagulls. Clark Kent is owned by the Seagulls. Um, you know, so there are a lot of things that, uh, you know, whether or not this is part of that reason that they've gone with this relaunch, I don't know. Uh, whether or not the new look has anything to do with that, I doubt it. But um, I can understand that people, you know, are thinking that, uh, and it may be true. Um, I just think that um, the, the the new, as far as the new suit design is concerned. Um, I miss the briefs. Uh, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I like the classic look. And if it, you know, as people say, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Um, but I understand that they need a new look. They need a new change as far as relaunching everything. Um, I, you know, I'm, other than the briefs, I can live with everything else. Um, you know, the high collar doesn't bother me. The boots don't bother me. Um, but I'm hearing that what we're seeing in these covers that were released. Uh, with the solicitations for these number one issues is not necessarily what we'll be seeing within the pages of the comic book. I'm hearing that those covers were rushed through because um, this whole relaunch was kind of a uh, you know a rushed idea, and um, so you know these comic book covers might not necessarily be the the actual look of what the interior art will be. Uh, whether or not that is the truth remains to be seen, but that's what I'm hearing. Uh, so it will be interesting to see just how much the covers and, and the images that have come out already that are completed uh, will match what we see in the interior uh, artwork because obviously the artists who have uh, been doing the interior artwork have had longer to create and, and, and do those uh, pages than the cover artists did because the covers and those images needed to come out a lot sooner than uh, the interior pages did. So it'll be interesting well, to see. I have a slightly different take on that, and I hope uh, I hope that it is what you're saying. Um, and the reason that I hope so is because 
I, I, I get a little tired of the internet. I get a little tired of, of magazines and, and television shows spoiling everything before we can get to it. <laughs> I agree. Uh, you know, there used to be a time when you could watch the season finale of The Next Generation and, and, and the main captain on the ship gets turned into a cyborg and gets taken aboard the other ship and it looks like all is lost and you're never going to see him again. And everyone was shocked, you know, yeah. is the lead star leaving the show? Uh, and we ne- we didn't know and we did not find out all summer and we had no idea. Maybe the guy wanted to leave. Maybe he wanted to go and do something else and we just did not know. Nowadays, we know almost everything. We know these looks before they're even coming out in September. And I got to be honest, nobody else changed. I mean, Wonder Woman changed, but she already changed. Uh, Superman is really the only one that is being changed. They're all taken back to, to, to number ones, but Superman is really the only one whose look has significantly changed. Batman's always had that armor look. Batman's always had that black and – well, not always, but most recently over the last se- several years. His look has been about the same. Green Lantern looks the same. Aquaman looks the same. The Flash has slight tweaks but nothing major. Superman has been majorly altered. And he's the one that we're hearing most about possibly losing characters and stuff. But what I like about what you said just now is that – if it's a tease, if it's if they knew well in advance that they needed to release something just to get people talking, it's a good publicity stunt just to get people interested and then to show us what, what it's really going to be when it comes out. Some people will be annoyed, but but I like it because that means that we don't necessarily know everything before yeah. it happens. Yeah. Now let's uh, move away from this whole relaunch discussion because we've been going on a fair bit about it. Uh, I just want to touch briefly on the comic books that have come out. Um, Action Comics 902 uh, continues on uh, Paul Cornell's uh, Doomslayer with the uh, Reign of the Doomsdays uh, story. Um, We've got uh, this uh, meteorite, which was some uh, ship that uh, the Superman family are on, battling the Doomsdays and the Doomslayer, trying to destroy, sending this thing to destroy Earth. Uh, to wipe out everybody on Earth, but Superman ha- as and his uh, cohorts have slowed it down and, um, and you know uh, foiled the plans of Doomslayer, and it's kind of a bit uh, wishy-washy, and I'm not really, you know, and then people are saying, oh, what does it matter anyway? This story is not going to matter after the relaunch, and they're saying that all about all the comics that are being published this month and next month up until uh, the the relaunch in September, so. Uh, but it does matter because people are reading it, and if you're enjoying it or if you're not enjoying it, um, what you're reading at the at the time matters. Okay, it doesn't matter in full-on continuity, but it matters to those who are reading them. Right. Well, that's going to be an issue, I think, with anything that – I mean we don't have that much longer to go, but but a month ago when the, when the relaunch was announced, people were saying, so why should we even buy comics now if, if these aren't going to matter? Well, the point is, I mean, for 70-some years, Superman has been a part of the public consciousness. There have been stories to read about him. They've all been different. And on an ongoing basis, there have been changes. There have been things that were back in the in the 30s that aren't now and, and, and vice versa. So I think uh, they matter, as you said, because people want to read them. That's it. Um, you know, I read, I, I read the, uh, the, the novels that, that really don't tie into anything. Um, you know, The Last Days of Krypton or whatever. There's similarities, but it's another take. Uh, Smallville is an alternate take. These are all uh, just ways that we can enjoy the stories of our characters uh, on a regular basis uh, each week or each month or whatever. And, and so they matter in that sense. It's entertaining and it's, 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 it's good to see. Now, as far as the story goes, a couple of things stood out for me. And, and, and one of them was this ship 
in the previous issue was inescapable or was going <laughs> to take a long, long time for them to figure it out. Superman says it. And these are all characters that have super speed, super sight, the ability to, to, to figure out mysteries and can find their way out of mazes. Um, but they were afraid that they were going to have a real hard time getting out of it. But in this issue, uh, as it's crashing into the earth, they are suddenly just out. Yeah, and they still stop it. And they, uh, so that was a bit of a... A misstep, I think they made it. They made it out to be this big giant thing, and s- suddenly it's nothing. Mm. Uh, the Eradicator dying pretty quickly um, was a shocker, but then I- I'm not really, I'm still not really sure where the Eradicator went, where he came from, where he fits <laughs> in the continuity, or what the deal is with that. I liked his story when it was in the Death of Superman. I'm not sure what to think of it now, and um, also I-, I I understand Superman's compassion and all that. But I think it was a little bit – I don't want to say cheesy, but a little off to have Supergirl, uh, who has shown herself to be this headstrong, angry kid, hugging him because he – Wants to save Doomsday. Wants to save Doomsday. <laughs> I think that she more likely would say, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, but you know, I get it. Superman saves everyone, and, and I've had this argument with a lot of non-Superman fans. That, uh, you know, if Superman would just kill these people, they wouldn't be able to come back again. And uh, people have made a decent argument, and I don't have too much of a comeback for it, when people say, what if uh, the version of the Toy Man from the Doomsday cartoon movie comes, you know, and he and, and the clone doesn't kill him, and then he comes out and kills a five-year-old? Isn't that then Superman's fault? And, and, and wouldn't then blood be on Superman's hands? And wouldn't you then be able to blame him and say, if it weren't for you allowing him to live, this little girl would still be alive? Mm. And and a lot of characters, Punisher or something like that, would just do away with a scumbag that would hurt a little child. Uh, Superman would not, no matter what you did. So that is an argument there. And, 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 and I understand where they were going with him saying he would protect Doomsday. But uh, a little bit uh, – not to say he should kill him, but, but the way they went with it seemed a little odd to me. Yeah. Was like you said a little bit cheesy, uh, and then Superman seven hundred and twelve, which was interesting because we had a solicitation about this new superhero that was uh, going to be introduced uh, in Los Angeles along this grounded storyline that we've been reading for so many months now. But uh, at the last minute, th- that story was pulled, and uh, instead we've got a lost story of Crypto, uh, written by Kurt Busiek, who which was a comic that we didn't get to see a couple of years ago. Uh, it was pulled from the schedule at the time, but uh, instead they've decided to publish that now in place of the uh, story of the grounded chapter that uh, uh, was removed for whatever reason. We've, we've never really found out why. Uh, some people were debating on whether or not it was um, a, a racial thing, whether Sharif, uh, the story was, uh, you know, um, too politically incorrect or maybe uh, was going to get them some publicity that was you know not was not wanted and then i hear people saying no it had nothing to do with this sharif character it was actually there was a uh, scene in this story about superman saving a cat out of a tree that was seemed to be too cheesy and they thought you know that's not the kind of image we want to be portraying superman as and and so the story was pulled for that i don't know what to believe uh, all i know is that we've got a crypto story that everyone's actually seeming to be loving uh there seems to be getting some really rave reviews about this crypto story, and um, um, there you have it. That's what we got instead for Superman 712. 
Well, I know people were were very disappointed when that story was pulled a few years ago, uh, and I was kind of looking forward to it because crypto is one of those things where if it's not if it's not done right, we're talking about cheesy. Uh, it could be cheesy. It's almost like uh, having a super horse or a super cat or mm. monkey. Um, a super dog that that is kind of hyper intelligent and and uh, can can understand all your commands and and knows that he's a superhero and and flies around doing things uh, is sometimes hard to swallow. But uh, seeing it in some in some of the years, it has been done pretty seriously and and fairly well. So this story was something people were looking forward to, yeah, and, and it was we done never got an explanation well. as to why it wasn't there before. And, nah. and now that it's back, that's I think that's why people are excited. My take on any time a, a story is pulled is that it has to do with delays, and we've complained about this before. These people get hired uh, to to do their stories, and and many many times, a lot of cases, it's the big celebrity names. Uh, just just decide that uh, they've got too much to do and, and they can't release their stories on time. I particularly pointed out with this grounded storyline because we've had many skips. We've had three or four times where instead of getting the story continuing, we get a little interlude. Mm. And the reason for that can only be, at least in my opinion, and again, we don't have any proof of this, is is that the story wasn't done. Now, this one might be different if there's some sort of racial issue going on or somebody thinks that there's a silly cat in a tree scene or whatever. But um, I think a lot of times it, it has to do with um, uh, people not being able to turn their work in on time. Yeah, well, this won't see the, the light of day unless down the track sometime it is printed, but I, and I ha- seriously doubt it. But uh, next month, Superman 713 will pick up uh, down the track and just totally miss this Sharif story. Uh, we'll just uh, continue to the conclusion of the grounded story, finally, uh, 713 will be the final issue published before the relaunch, and that will be the end of the grounded story. Uh, but then in Superman Batman number 85, um, again, this title will be concluding. We, there won't be a relaunch of this title as far as I understand. It's not amongst the 52 that will be relaunched in September. But uh, this story was uh, very uh, positively reviewed by Michael Bailey, who uh, gave it uh, a huge 5 out of 5 rating uh, for this story about Clark Kent going to Gotham and, um, you know, chasing this story about this guy whose body washed up uh, in Metropolis. Uh, He was a reporter for the Gotham newspaper and supposedly had found out that uh, Bruce Wayne was Batman and was going to publish this story and then instead he wound up dead. And um, Superman is investigating that and Batman's kind of a bit cheesed off that uh clark kent's putting his nose in his business as we often see i think with batman in particular um what are you doing in my town i I run things here and i work it the way i want to and i don't need you the the big blue boy scout coming in here and trying to insert your ways into what i'm doing just leave me alone yeah and Um, i think this is set in batman's early days too so it's not necessarily in current uh you know down the track where they know each other well i think it's a bit set a bit earlier We've seen a number of stories from the olden days of when they first met or when they weren't yet working together on a regular basis, and it generally goes the same kind of way. So I can understand where Michael Bailey, who reviewed it, likes it. Uh, on the other hand, I've kind of seen it before. Um, well, I not think, the exact story, but... Yeah, I think what's different in this case is that uh, Batman is seen showing up to be wrong. Like, he made a mistake. Uh, he left 
um, a, uh, a what do you call it a um, a number on one of the parts instead of filing it away that uh, identified that part as coming from Wayne Tech, which had been a publicly listed bit, uh, company, and so it appeared that Bruce Wayne had been siphoning. Um, Parts from his from the company that was not necessarily his company he didn't own it as a whole. It was publicly listed, so um, yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's good in that way in that Superman, uh, sorry, in Batman is showing up to be, you know, um, he's not infallible. He can make mistakes, and I think that's uh, it's an interesting angle. Yeah, I mean, if we're definitely, uh, I haven't read the story yet, but if we're seeing a Batman that can make mistakes, I will say that in. Recent years, DC hasn't seemed able to write a story where Batman makes no, a mistake exactly. or is lessened by other heroes. Uh, so, yeah, that's definitely good. I do want to say one thing about the, the title not continuing. Uh, I think that that's the mistake. Um, aside from whatever you may think about the relaunch or, or all these number ones or the costume changes – uh, and I'll tell you why. I, I, in reading the Superman books on a regular basis – I think the Superman-Batman title, even if the stories are sometimes off because we get off stories in, in all of the titles, um, I think the art and the time that goes into it and, and some of the uh, some of the storylines and just the coolness of having these two heroes working together in a story every month is really neat and, and really works in a way that sometimes the books by themselves don't. Yeah, I agree. So, so I, I kind of think that and, – and it's fairly recent. You know, It's only issue 85, whereas action's up to 900. So it hasn't been a regular title for very long, and maybe they'll do something else similar to it. But, but I'm going to miss that. Yep. Well, let's move away from our comic book discussions. We've been going quite a long time talking about comics. Uh, let's uh, move into discussing uh, movies. Yeah, man. Movies are good stuff. <laughs> now, we do have Man of Steel coming out in uh, December 2012. And, well, we haven't had any official announcements about uh, casting uh, as we had uh, in previous months. Uh, we have had a lot of rumors, and they seem to be pretty uh, spot on and pretty, you know, on the money as far as, uh, you know, not being rumors but being, you know, a news that hasn't yet officially been announced by Warner Brothers, but seems to be, you know, um, actual news rather than rumours. And first of those was Russell Crowe uh, as Jarrell. Neil. <laughs> Jarrell, not Zod. Before, no, but uh, I just remember a Terrence Stamp saying, you know, uh, you will kneel down before me, Jarrell, both you and then one day your heirs. And I remember when I was a kid, I used to think he was saying... Uh, Someone's posterior, not heirs, but something else. I don't know why. And I used to, I would tell my dad, no, no, he's saying that. And they would say, no, no, he isn't. Um, but uh, <laughs> we all thought that at one stage. I used to exactly. think he said, your S. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it sounds very similar to what I was referring to. Um, but uh, the exciting news for me here is that. Um, that Russell Crowe is Australian. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say. How did you know that I was going to say that, Steve? You always know exactly what I'm going to say. Uh, I think I think, and I've heard some complaints about this. Uh, uh, barring Jorel throwing a phone at someone in a hotel, <laughs> I think this Russell Crowe uh, casting could be really, really good. Uh, it's it harkens back to. Um, Marlon Brando being cast uh, as a, a bigger actor than 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 the person cast as Superman at the time, and actually paid more and all that stuff. But but he's a he's a presence 
Uh, he strikes me as a guy who could play uh, an intelligent scientist who is a forward thinker and and is also a rebel at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, it's 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 I think it could be very good. Yeah, and we have to uh, reiterate that it hasn't been officially confirmed, but uh, he is in talks and he hasn't denied it. And um, the other one, which is on a similar wavelength, is uh, Julia Ormond as Lara, uh, Jarrell's wife. Ew. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and um, yeah, it, it, it's, you know, it seems to fit. Uh, you know, Julia isn't that well known, not as well known as Russell Crowe or as, you know, uh, Kevin Costner or Diane Lane, but uh, she's a familiar face and um, seems to fit the role well if indeed she has won the part. Well, I would. What I would like to see, and, and Julia Ormond does fit the role well, and and does have a presence about her all her own, uh, is more a take on Jorel and Lara, like the one in Last Days of Krypton. Yeah. I don't know if you've read it yet, of course. But I mean, they were kind of equals. Yeah, they each had their own things that they were strong in, and you know, in, in the Donner Superman, Lara's kind of there. You know, she gives him the baby, but she doesn't really say much, do much, or have any additions to the story to give sure. what i'd like to see is a strong lara a lara that has a point other than to be the mother of superman and and uh i think that's not necessarily the fault of the donner movie but but we really haven't seen much of that in the uh, comics either yeah um but that book for me was just really really well done and i like the dynamic that they had between Jorel and lara and i in fact was an advocate of seeing a screenplay written based on that book um, when yeah, I first read it. That would have and been Superman good. doesn't even appear in it. So, no, that's uh, right. I actually yeah. met uh, Kevin J. Anderson at a convention here in Sydney uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and he signed my copy of Last Days of Krypton, and uh, I congratulated him on just how good that story was because it was, as you said, uh, a great uh, novel about Krypton and what happened on Krypton and really fleshed out the characters of Lara and Jorel. Um, as uh, as individuals, and Zod too, and, yeah, and, and Jor-El's brother, and it just was really deep, much deeper than we've seen anywhere yeah. else. I just really liked it. Yeah. Now the other casting uh, story that's coming out is uh, Christopher Maloney from uh, Law and Order SVU fame. He's come out and said that. Uh, well, we we heard that he was going to be cast in the film. Uh, we didn't know what role it was. Uh, people were saying he might be Lex Luthor, but then uh, he actually came out and said, no, I'm not Lex Luthor. I'm playing a general. Uh, but beyond that, if I couldn't tell you any more, I would have to kill you, he said. <laughs> yeah, we've heard that before, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, the same reason that the, the Man of Steel movie is going under a false name as it's uh, checking yeah. checking for people to cast. Autumn Frost. Um, yeah, my guess would be... Uh, <laughs> What I guessed at when he was first cast was Perry White, um, and I was disappointed because uh, I still want to see John Goodman passed, uh, cast as Perry White. Uh, but that's not going to happen either, although I think it would be um, inspired casting. Uh, so I was thinking he fit the right age group and the look that they generally go for for Perry White in these movie versions, uh, kind of a kind – of taller slimmer guy although frank langella isn't necessarily in in great shape but um different than the comics version of perry so Mm. my my thought was that that's the way they were going here but him now saying he's been cast as a general my first thought was he's probably going to be lois's father Mm. general sam lane right 
Yeah, well, and, and it's also based on what we've read about the script. Yeah. I would think Sam Lane would be an integral part of the army not trusting Superman. Yeah, so it sounds like he could be a general in the army. Um, for all we know, he could be a general on Krypton, seeing with getting General Zod. Um, he could be. But uh, my thoughts would be that he's a, a U.S. Army, Navy general of some kind. So we'll uh, wait and see just what role Christopher Maloney plays in Man of Steel. And as you stated, there was uh, casting for extras um, that's been taking place under the uh, code name Autumn Frost, uh, but they haven't really been too secret about the fact that it is Superman that these extras have been uh, cast, uh, you know, called in for. Um, there were there were three casting calls for extras in the Chicago land area, with uh, Plano uh, being one of those uh, locations. And uh, you know, there's been a, a possible production sheet uh, that was sneaked onto the internet uh, via one of the entertainment publications. Uh, there's also possible sets being built in Plano uh, that were f- fans were taking photo of. Uh, they're obviously sets that are being built in the, um, you know, in the streets that are temporary sets, uh, temporary buildings. Uh, but whether or not they're for Man of Steel, we don't know. But uh, that's the next big Superman f- or the next big film that's being filmed uh, in uh, that uh, Plano area. So... Um, quite likely they are for Man of Steel. I was going to go to one of those casting calls. and well, How far is Chicago uh, from you? Probably about 17 hours. <laughs> I was going to drive, and I thought, you know, um, it probably doesn't make a lot of sense because with thousands of people showing up, the chances of actually getting cast are slim. My hope was that some of my previous experience as an extra and as an actor would play into it, but uh, it really hasn't had too much to do with anything in the past so i probably would just be taking a trip down there just to be a part of it all and then it turned out that i had uh, weddings with my band that i had to be at anyway during mm. those times well, you can so apply I, online at afbackground.com i don't know if they're still taking uh casting uh applications but uh afbackground.com is the place to go if you want to send in a mugshot of yourself i saw that i was gonna i was thinking of doing that as well well, there's, so we'll uh, there's an alternative. See if, if there's still time. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, the only other movie discussion I wanted to talk about was uh, since our last podcast, we've uh, had the release of the Blu-ray collection of Superman movies um, and Superman anthology. And um, the biggest thing on that, other than the whole Blu-ray thing and the HD and the you know the sound quality and everything, was the Return to Krypton sequence that was inclu- included on the Superman Returns disc, uh, never before seen, much hyped uh, amongst the fans. As you know, why wasn't this included in the theatrical cut? And the five-minute uh, sequence is now available for people to to see for the first time on Superman the uh, the anthology collection um, on Blu-ray. Have you seen it? I have not, uh, and I don't anticipate ever buying the... Okay, uh, well, uh, hint, hint, it has leaked on YouTube, but I don't want to uh, post it on the uh, website because of copyright reasons. I'd get a massive slap on the wrist from Warner Brothers if I did that, but um, I'm sure if you... Right, let's not do that. Yeah, so you can find it on YouTube, and whoever has put it up, that's their problem. Uh, If they do get uh, slapped with um, a legal notification from Warner Brothers, but... um, I'm sure uh, if you sneak onto YouTube and look for Return to Krypton, uh, you will find it. 
Excellent. I like but, how we're whispering. Yeah, but we don't. We don't. Uh, we just want to make sure that we, you know, people know that we don't uh, condone that kind of behaviour. No, of course not. We would never, ever condone something as horrible as that. No. So um, yeah, if uh, that's the Return of the Krypton sequence on the Blu-ray collection, and uh, I can understand why it wasn't included. Uh, it does. It, it's actually really well acted by Brandon Routh. There is no talking in it whatsoever. It's um, facial features and expressions and and mannerisms, and it's beautifully shot and uh, a magical sequence. But it and it you know it explains you know why he was so weak when he returned uh, to Earth from his travels. Um, but um, I can understand why they didn't include it in the beginning of the movie. It does it's a bit slow, but so was Superman the movie. The beginning of that the whole Krypton thing. We didn't see Superman for the first hour of the film, and that's a classic. Yeah, my my wildest fantasy would be. Can we discuss that on the family fa- family friendly <laughs> podcast? <laughs> yes, exactly. But but next to that, my second wildest <laughs> fantasy would be uh, an hour long sequence on Krypton, uh, and I would prefer no no crystals, no yeah. ice, no shards, no you know. A real planet with trees and forests and maybe lava falls, you know, if you guys are listening. And, and, and some good stuff with, with Jor-El and Lara and, and, and really a heavier understanding of Krypton that, that, than what we've had before. So a five-minute sequence return to Krypton would not have bothered me, even if it was a little slow moving. But I did hear that there was more with Lex and the proof that, that uh, that that Superman that he that he laid out for Superman, making him believe that there mm. was a reason for him to leave Earth for five years. Is any of that anywhere on these? Discs? No, everything else that's on this. That's the only thing that's extra in the return in the okay. Superman Returns disc. That's the only thing. Everything else has previously been released on the uh, the you know uh, Superman Ultimate Collector's Edition DVD box set that came out uh, a few years ago. So. The Return of Krypton sequence is the only additional material for Superman Returns uh, in this Blu-ray collection. Because that's a big one for me and a lot of people. The idea that Superman, who cares so much for Earth and is so vigilant in protecting it and helping people, that he would just blatantly leave for five years. And and, uh, and the idea that they had a storyline there and that they shot scenes explaining why it was so so important and integral for him to leave right then and then left them out. Uh, kind of hurts Superman's integrity, I think. But yeah. that's, you know, just for me. Okay, now um, I wanted to talk about the Superman celebration. The 2011 Superman celebration uh, took place uh, in the, in June. Uh, it's uh, obviously now concluded with a four-day celebration. That happened took, already? Yeah, in Metropolis, oh. Illinois. We were there in 2008 together. Uh, but now three years later... Uh, it, I was going to go to that. Yeah, it, <laughs> it took place once again. And uh, we are uh, slowly releasing the videos from those four days, thanks to Jamie and Rhonda Kelly, who attended the Superman celebration once again for the Superman homepage, uh, as Lois and Clark filming uh, you know, news reports for us. We've got the first two days of the four-day celebration uh, up there for everyone to see, um, including the opening skit, the ribbon-cutting ceremony to officially open the, the Superman celebration, the Q&A with uh, Mark Pillow, and uh, and uh, what was her name? Tracy, Tracy from Superboy. Huffman. Yes. Huffman, Who? right? No, that's uh, Elena Huffman. Was from the Elena Smallville. Uh, oh, uh, Superboy. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, Tracy Lewis. 
who yeah. played Darla in the Superboy TV series. Uh, her and Mark Pillow did a Q&A, and that's up on the website for all to see, uh, as, as well as some interviews with Superman fans just in the street, uh, some of them travelling from far and wide to get there. Um, so uh, be sure and, and check those videos out. We will have the uh, exclusive interview with Brandon Routh video uh, coming soon, as well as the Q&A with Brandon Routh, Sam Huntington and Elena Huffman that took place there and uh, much, much more from the Superman celebration. As well. We also posted the video of the Walk of Heroes project that was unveiled, which is a new project that they're going to have these Superman uh, S-shield-shaped uh, plaques placed in the sidewalk, um, commemorating and, and uh, remembering certain people who have had a huge influence in the um, creation of Superman, um, you know, and Lois Lane as well. Uh, first one unveiled was... Uh, a shield dedicated to Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Very nice. Yeah, so um, that's a, an idea that they've had in the in the, um, plan for a while. Uh, and thanks to Steve Kirk uh, from uh, from LA, um, he uh, came up with the idea and, and and put it to fruition. So that now we have a super Superman celebration walk of heroes that you can uh, walk down the main street uh, and see these plaques, similar to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, where they've uh, got uh, you know, certain tiles uh, in the walkway there. And the first one was unveiled this year, and as I said, it was for Jerry and Joe. So look for more um, plaques to be placed in the ground for future uh, celebrations. And I believe you can get involved. Uh, I think the the website to go to if you want to be involved in this is metropoliswalkofheroes.com. So check out that website soon for further details about the uh, the uh, Walk of Heroes project. Before we move on from the Superman celebration, I just wanted to mention uh, that I think uh, Brandon Routh coming and, and, and talking to people and, and being there and, and having a presence is uh, really – just really good of him and uh you know i i I hear a lot of these uh guys who play superheroes want to be distanced don't want to be at conventions think Mm. it's silly uh and 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 think that it doesn't bode well of them to be there and i really think it shows a lot of um integrity and a lot of uh interest in the fans and interest in the project even though uh, his time as Superman appears to be over, that he would show up there and, and be involved. And, uh, you know, props to him on that. Yeah, definitely. Well done. Now, uh, the only other thing I wanted to s- discuss, actually, there's two other things. Uh, the DC Universe Online uh, massive multiplayer online game that you discussed a little bit earlier has an update for coming soon. And it's 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 aimed for Superman fans because up to now we've seen mostly Batman updates, but this one will be set in the Fortress of Solitude and we'll see Brainiac trying to steal the Kryptonian tech from the Fortress of Solitude. And the interesting point in this one is that heroes and villains need to team up to defeat Brainiac because uh, Lex Luthor sees the danger uh, in Brainiac getting that uh, technology and uh, teams up with Superman to uh, hopefully stop Brainiac from stealing uh, technology from the Fortress of Solitude. So that's an update for uh, pretty close to being released for DCUO. 
Very cool. I'm not sure how the popularity is going on that or, or how, how many people are still subscribed. I was not in a monetary situation where I could continue my subscription after the free month. But uh, with new updates and new things going on, hopefully I'll be able to rejoin at some point and uh, see this Fortress setting, uh, which, again, is aimed at Superman fans and uh, should be uh, pretty cool. Yeah, and supposedly future updates will be uh, targeted for Superman fans as well, so we'll keep you uh, updated on any updates for DCU Online. Now, uh, there hasn't been any TV news uh, with Smallville now all over, and Young Justice... Um, oh, is that over? Yeah, Smallville's done. I, I was going to watch that. I know, blink and you'll miss it. Uh, ten uh. years, just like that. Uh, but uh, Young Justice is still in a holding pattern. We're just getting repeat episodes on Cartoon Network. Uh, we thought in, in our last podcast we'd actually announced that there would be new episodes uh, coming in June. And You're lying Cartoon, to me, Steve. Well, Cartoon Network pulled the rug from our, out from under us and, um, and just delayed any new episodes. Uh, there will be a Young Justice panel at the San Diego Comic-Con which uh, is coming up very soon. So I'm anticipating hearing news then about uh, future Young Justice new episodes airing on Cartoon Network. It's so weird that they would pull that. I wonder, again, if it has something to do with deadlines not being met or shows not being finished, because why would they continue to show reruns of the show if they didn't feel happy about it, if they weren't proud of it, if they didn't like it being yeah. on there? Uh, and I, 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 I've probably seen Independence Day 92 times now uh, because it just seems like they keep running it. And there's only six episodes. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if they were going to pull it or if they didn't really feel like it fit with their lineup, you'd think it would be gone altogether. So no, I'm well, not really sure. Yeah, they've actually ordered 26 episodes. Uh, I know that for a fact. I've, I've heard that direct from Warner Brothers. So there are 26 episodes supposedly ordered. We've seen six. So there are 20 more somewhere to go um and targets was the new one that was supposed to air in june and we're just waiting for carter network to announce just when that will uh meet or that will be put onto their schedule but um until then we'll uh look out for that panel at san diego comic-con uh, which i believe is on the sunday uh, of comic-con so uh we'll see what they announce then for young justice fans i'm waiting and i'm excited Let's move into the big question segment of the show. Let's do that. Let's start with the big question. The question last month was, uh, what do you think of the Young Justice animated series? Yeah, and we only had two responses uh, from this, and they were both related. Uh, Starla and Calvin Bowes um, responded to this question, and obviously... Uh, we thought we'd be getting new Young Justice episodes when we asked this question last podcast. Um, so we only got two responses. But uh, who'd, let's hear from Starla first. What does she have to say, Scotty? Uh, Starla Bowes wrote, The Young Justice show is really cool. I was a big fan of Teen Titans, and this show is a billion trillion times better. Only. Teen Titans animation looks very cheap next to this show. My only complaint is that I wish we had more girl heroes on the show. If the show had more girl power, it would really rock. I agree with you, Starla. I think that the animation is spectacular. I've said that before. And I think the Teen Titans animation next to this looks like French cheesecloth. <laughs> and I, uh, I do, I do uh, think that they should do a little more with uh, both uh, Martian uh, Girl and um, 
uh, Artemis. Yeah. I would like to see, and I think that they will. I mean, there's only been six episodes. Uh, we, as we saw, uh, the show has kind of a lost quality where they take individual episodes and they delve further into certain characters. Yeah. Uh, in addition to the main plot of the episode. So look for that. I think that they will. Okay, and her father, Calvin Bowes, wrote, As a parent, I really like the parent-child dynamic of the show. I always thought of the heroes and the sidekicks as a parent-child situation. Unlike Teen Titans, where the adults were very rarely, very rarely existed, here they are there for guidance, even though it's not always wanted by the kids. I like that this show is a relationship-driven. That puts a degree of realism to it. Yeah, it's a, it is. It's a, the Justice League, uh, there as mentors to these um, uh, Teen Titans is an important part of the story, especially the Superman and Superboy dynamic. Right. Well, I was going to say, there's also an emotional um, connection, and Superman seems to be having a hard time with it, and, and Superboy doesn't know what to make of Superman not wanting to talk to him. And uh, I, I like that, and I, I want to see more of that as we go on. Okay. So, what's our new big question for this podcast? Uh, what do you think about DC relaunching the DC universe of comic books? What do you think about action and Superman starting at number one again? What are your thoughts on the characters' new looks? And what of them releasing digital comics on the same day and date as the printed versions? Steve, I think that we're going to have more responses to this question. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a topic that uh, will uh, give us a lot, of, you know, definitely more responses than we received this month. I think a lot of people have their opinions on this relaunch of the DC Universe in the comic book. So if you want to get involved and let us know what you think about the relaunch of the DC Universe comic books, get involved with the Big Questions segment of the show. You can record your answer as an audio file and send it to us as an MP3 file. Or you can type your answer into the big question feedback form, and we'll Scotty and I will read out those responses in our next Radio KAL podcast. Make your opinions known. Friends gather. Oh, sorry, I'm late. Never mind that. There are more important things to discuss. I'm afraid we're going to have to find you, ma'am. Arriving late to lunch with the captain of the special crimes unit is punishable by you picking up the tab. But all is not fun and games. Oh my god. And here we go. Excuse me? You! You're, you're one of those super-powered freaks. And Superman and Supergirl get some unexpected company on their journey. I know that voice. Hey, Blue. Long time. No see. Crash the Party in Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, issue 78, on June 29, 2011. Only at PendantAudio.com I didn't invite you to a jabbering party. Superman and Supergirl find themselves facing a world of hurt. Oh, that's it. I'm going to punch your sorry face into the back of your skull. Charles, wait! And Metallo finds himself facing a world of... something different altogether. What did you do to him? Even if I told you, you wouldn't understand. Don't miss the 50th episode of Supergirl, Boss Daughter of Krypton, coming June 29th at PendantAudio.com. Lucy, I'm home. Okay, now time for Bailey's bookshelf. Michael Bailey returns, going into his fort or Fortress of Bailey-tude bookshelf and uh, picking out a trade paperback or hardcover and uh, reviewing it for us here on Radio KL. So let's hand over to Michael now and see what he has for us this month. 
Welcome back to Bailey's Bookshelf, the segment here on Radio KAL, where I walk over to my bookcase deep in the archives of the Fortress of Baileytude and pick out a Superman trade, hardcover, novel, or sometimes reference material book to talk about and tell you why you need to read and or own it. This month, I am going to the listener feedback on what y'all want me to cover, and thanks to Mr. Calvin Bowes, I will be talking about the wonderful bit of reference material, Superman, Serial to Serial. This was written by Gary Grossman, and it was part of the popular library film series. Leonard Moulton was the general editor of this series, apparently, and... Leonard Maltin is one of those people that I used to watch all the time when I was a kid on Entertainment Tonight. He was their movie editor. So when I see his name on things, it has a certain, like, air of... Not, not that this book isn't legitimate, but it's just like it has, like, true legitimacy because Leonard Maltin was involved. Uh, as the cover t- states, this, is, this book is the saga of movie and TV's greatest hero, with complete details on every filmed adventure and behind-the-scenes stories of how they came to life. Uh, The book, according to the copy I have, was published in 1976, so that was a good two years before Superman the movie came out. So, for that time, in 1976, which was also the year I was born, so this book and I are the same age, uh, this book had complete coverage on all of the live-action incarnations of Superman. Uh, starting with the movie serial starring Kirk Allen and Noel Neal, and continuing into the Adventures of Superman television series starring George Reeves, uh, Phyllis Coates, and eventually Noel Neal. And I have a soft spot for both of these incarnations of Superman, especially the Adventures of Superman television series. Uh, the serial is fun. I enjoy it. It's not my favorite of all of the media incarnations of Superman, uh, but I definitely love The Adventures of Superman, uh, especially Phyllis Coates, who is my favorite live-action Lois Lane ever, uh, and especially that first season of the show, which I thought was absolutely fantastic and has uh, my <laughs> my favorite episode, whose title escapes me now... Um, what is that called? It, it, it was the one where where G, uh, Jimmy and Perry are fishing, and they run into like the three crazy people who are constantly trying to kill each other. Oh, it's a great episode. God, I love it. Anyways, um, this book is a comprehensive look at the creation of both of those filmed versions of Superman, going into the history of how the shows were developed who the main behind-the-scenes players were, and, you know, the actors and interviews and all kinds of stuff. It has been a good ten years or so since I've read the book, so a lot of the facts are now kind of lost with all of the other stuff that I've crammed into my head. What I do remember of reading this book is how thorough it was and how it was really neat to read about all of the little bits and pieces of stuff that we just don't see in the final product because it's either cut out or it happens off camera or whatever. The book is also chock full of photographs uh, from the sets, behind the scenes material, and at least up to 1976, what the actors looked like 
at the time. Uh, in the serial section of the book, we even get pictures of Kirk Allen as Blackhawk, because he played that DC character, well, it was a quality character at the time, eventually became a DC character, uh, in a separate serial. But... If you can find it, which you should be uh, able to on eBay, it's, it's, it's rather easy to locate, uh, or at least it, it was when I was looking for it, I would suggest picking it up. Uh, it is definitely something you need on your bookshelf if you are collecting Superman reference material, and I cannot recommend it enough. So that's it for this month. A little shorter than I usually do it, but I've been going along lately, so I decided to kind of keep this one at the somewhat five-minute mark. Be sure to check out From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast uh, hosted by myself and my good friend Jeffrey Taylor, where we are covering Superman from Man of Steel number one in 1986 to Adventures of Superman number 649 in 2006. And you can find that right here at the Superman homepage just about every Thursday. And now, back to Stephen Scott. Thank you, Michael. Now, remember, if you do have a suggestion for Michael, if there's something you'd like him to review, you can send him an email via michael at supermanhomepage.com, and I'm sure he'll use that uh, suggestion in a future podcast if possible. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. Super secret soundbite. The uh, Super Secret Soundbite last show was part of the theme music from The Young Justice. That seems to be a theme this week. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this month. And five people identified it correctly. Uh, who were they, Steve? They well, I was hoping you'd read out these names because I'm sure I'm going to uh, get some of them wrong, pronounce them wrong. So that was a, a nice pass there, uh, Scotty. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> we've got Brendan, Brendan Savinsky, uh, Anthony Fleece. Cool. Frungi or Frungi, uh, Badre Bobby El Amir Bali, and Sarita Luna. Uh, definitely Good job, a, guys. Yeah, Good a job. Nice, uh, nice collection of people there. <laughs> Getting a one-man applause from Scotty V. Uh, <laughs> let's see if those five people and more can identify just where this new secret sound comes from. Meet me in the lobby at 6 o'clock for the press awards dinner. Wear something really nice and don't be late. Well, if you think you know where that sound came from, it could be from a movie, a cartoon, TV show, a radio series. If you think you know where it's from, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it correctly will have their name read out, hopefully by Scotty V next time, on Radio KAL. I pick Adam's family. I think the sound was from Adam's family. Adam's family? Well, I don't think that's Superman related. Oh, it has to be Superman related? Yeah, yeah. That's the whole idea of the podcast. I thought I was going to get it right. Yeah, no, you're close. Oh, okay. No cigar. Superman song time. Well, this month we received another request from Christopher Nelson, who asked us to play the song Foiled Again by the band Psy Fried. The song's from their new CD, Future Tense, and we contacted the band to get their permission. They graciously agreed. So uh, thanks to Chuck Silver and the guys from SciFried. Be sure to visit their website at SciFried.com. Yes, that's S-C-I-F-R-I-E-D.com. And here is Foiled Again by SciFried. Faster than an airplane, more powerful than a locomotive, 
impervious to bullets. Up in the sky, look, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Now he is done. Why the hell? 
friends An ingenious plan That failed once again I was foiled again Well, there you have it. Uh, that's the show for another month. Uh, Remember, if there's any topics you think we should be covering that we didn't cover this month, uh, maybe there's a song you'd like to request that we play here on Radio KL. Maybe there's a big question you think we should be asking the fandom. All those suggestions can be sent to us using the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage, and Scotty and I will try to use those suggestions in a future podcast. But for now, that's the show. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, and remember, everybody, look up in the sky. You've been listening to Radio KAL from supermanhomepage.com.